Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back to Atlanta Soccer Tonight. And I've got an old friend on the show. You'll remember her from the World Cup, Jessica Charman. What's up, Jess? Glad to be back, Jason. Glad to be back. And I didn't have to stay up late this time. We're pre-recording. That's nice. Hey, hey, you're breaking the fourth wall. People aren't supposed to know that. But yes, we are definitely doing that. Uh, we did I'm not do that for the World right Cup. Now. What's that? I said, I'm definitely asleep right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm doing the show right now. Trust me. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's get into this rivalry that doesn't have a name yet. Uh, I-85 something or other. I can't say Darby because I feel silly when I say it. You could say it. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know. it's still building into a derby, right? Like, we need a few more fiery moments, but I think the fan bases are uh, enjoying the banter this week on social media. Yeah, it's good. I mean, rivalries are good. I, I think at times people get really bent out of shape when we start talking about a game being a rivalry, and it is, and that's not a bad thing. Atlanta and Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte straight out of the gate talked about Atlanta. Atlanta talked about Charlotte. Teams are close to one another. There's going to be at least a thousand Atlanta United fans in the building this weekend. So yeah, it's a it's a rivalry. It's a good one. Um, fill everybody in on how Charlotte has started the season. It's been a really kind of tough couple of matchups, and you know we have to talk about it. It's been tough to kind of get going after the preseason that Charlotte had. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if we had looked at being 0-2 after the first two games. We would have been really disappointed about that based on the preseason in terms of the performance we had going unbeaten. But as you allude to, obviously the tragic passing of Anton Walks that bothers, you know, that has affected both Atlanta United and Charlotte FC in its own way. It's hard to not think about that as a contributing factor. There's a lot of people on the outside that have talked about how this should be motivating and how this should be the fire in your belly that's going to help you perform. But you can't think of it always as being 100% positive. Of course, it's going to affect these players in a different way. It's affected me as a broadcaster. Every time I call a game, it feels very strange to not be talking about Anton on the field. And I didn't even know him as personally as these players who went to work with him every single day that went out with their kids and all of these things. So I think that we would be fools not to think that maybe it's affecting the players in a way that isn't 100% 
positive in terms of the result because how can you not have it on your mind so that's obviously been tough but that's not the only reason we're struggling of course I think that we just haven't quite been able to gel together the new additions to this squad as quickly as maybe we would like when you look back to New England Revolution you've done fairly well and you go one nil down at the end of a game where maybe a lapse of concentration and not going the whole 90 minutes has been your issue and then against St. Louis again you are one nil up and you've had some really bright moments in the game and you've had an amazing goal from Enzo Capetti who's opened his account and then you've had three individual errors in an own goal in a penalty that you shouldn't be given away and then finally in a St. Louis trademark goal it appears to have become where the defender passes it straight to their forward so it's a tough pill to swallow it's been a very difficult first two games and I think now maybe you come into this Atlanta game with a different feeling than maybe you expected that you were going to come into after seeing your first two games of the season and maybe expecting those to be better results than they have been yeah the St. Louis game especially the goals that were conceded were very odd just in general all the way around i mean own goals are, are odd by design the the penalty was not any huge glaring mistake the pass back you don't expect to see that in that situation so you know take the the re- take the results out of it and where do you think the performance level is for charlotte right now through two I think what's hard about it is you have these moments where they look amazing. There's moments where we have transitional play and our midfielders are active. They're getting the ball into great positions and our forwards look fresh and they look fast. The issue is it's happening five times in a game where you need it to happen 10, 15, 20 times. So there are glimpses of this chemistry. There are glimpses of the style of play we want to enforce in the game. There are glimpses of the movement of the ball and the connectivity and getting efforts on But the issue is the key word there is glimpses, right? It's not been consistent through the game. And as we said, our own worst enemy defensively at times. And, you know, it's very important that when you have momentum that you're able to create chances to put games to bed. And I just don't think we've been able to utilize that momentum that we built throughout parts of games to really finish and get the results that you've deserved in moments. A lot of new faces. I think that's maybe part of it, too, as chemistry comes together. We're seeing that here in Atlanta with Yorgos Yakimakis and Derek Etienne, you know, still trying to to get in to be able to start with this group. Let's talk about two guys who are starting for Charlotte uh, in the midfield first. Ashley Westwood. What's he bringing to the squad? I mean, he is the real deal. You know, when you see a guy come in and 300 plus Premier League appearances during his career, you've got big expectations of him, but also... We were well aware that he was coming off a severe ankle injury, which kept him out an entire year. There's not many injuries, bar an ACL, that you think of keeping you out of play that much. And we've had experience, right, of players that maybe come back from ACLs and aren't the same player. So I think there was some nervousness in me that I wanted to watch him play before I really thought, okay, wow, what an addition he is. And I think Ashley Westwood is the real deal in his vision on the game, in his passing, in his ability to transition the ball in that sort of mean streak that he has that you need in MLS. And I think what's really impressive about Westwood is he's come in and he's instantly been given the captain's armband. That just shows you the presence he is in the locker room, the leader that he is, and just the way that he's able to motivate these boys. It's been a tough start for him, obviously. He hasn't contributed maybe as much as he would like, but he can definitely be dangerous on set pieces. And I think he's a player that Atlanta United are going to have to watch in that midfield because if Charlotte FC is playing well, Ashley Westwood is pulling those strings in the midfield. Another big 
personality, maybe a, a, a leader in a different way, is Enzo Capetti uh, up top. I, I really liked his game in Argentina with Racing, where he kind of just broke out in the last year or so. What have you seen from Copetti so far? Yeah, I mean, he's an absolute monster. And you can tell he wears his heart on his sleeve. He wants to play well. The passion is there. You know, when you hear that you've got an Argentine on the team, what do you expect? You expect loving the game more than anything, expecting that passion, expecting a little bit of that hot-headedness. And he gives you all of those things. I think he didn't make too many friends in St. Louis, but no, you can didn't. tell he's the sort of player that thrives off of that energy. You know, I think the goal epitomizes what you're expecting from Enzo Capetti. If you watch his off-the-ball movement, his drive, his sprint to get into the box and then throwing his body to get that header, it was fantastic. The one thing I will say about Capetti is he's still adjusting to MLS. He's starting to learn the officiating and how it's different. He's also been very vocal about turf and how that is very new to him. He's never played on turf before and he's getting used to the way it bounces, the speed of the ball. So hopefully... He's going to be up to speed in this Atlanta game because I think he struggled a little bit against New England Revolution. I think we saw more of his potential against St. Louis, but he has yet to show us the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think that the future is very bright for Enzo Capetti, but he's a player that can really hurt you when he's on form. The Tati Castellanos comparison really feels accurate when it comes to Copetti. Yeah, I mean, he's so physical. He's very smart with his movement, his placement. And I, when you look back at the highlight reel, he's not just a poacher. He can strike yeah. the ball, but he has a knack for being in the right place, right time. And I think the other thing that maybe we haven't utilized enough with Enzo Capetti right now is because defenders are so concerned about him, the minute he's in the box, he's got two center backs trying to sandwich him. That should, by means of numbers, leave space. For other players and I think what we're doing right now is we're so desperate to find Capetti the ball because we know he can be dangerous that we're not thinking well if he's man marked by two that means someone else is open he creates a lot of space for others to thrive but we need to try and see that space for the others to allow them those chances all right we'll play fill in the blank here if Charlotte is to get a result on Saturday what do they have to do better than they have in the first two games Game management, I think managing, and Latanzio said it best, he said you have to manage the game and not the day, right, the event. I think we've had two very tough events in terms of the Anton Memorial, which was extremely emotional and, you know, very hard to manage when you have that emotional feeling before the game and channeling all that emotion being the first time in that building playing without Anton. And then you have the St. Louis home opener, which is another event in its own. This is now another event in that it's the rivalry, like we said, it's a heated game against Atlanta. You also have that pressure on your shoulders of being 0-2 and not wanting to fall to 0-3. So managing the game on the field, controlling what you can, which is your individual performance, and not focusing so much on that huge event that is playing again at home. Who's a player for Charlotte that, in your mind, doesn't get talked about enough? I think that if he would get more minutes, and that's probably why he's not being talked about as much, it's Nuno Santos. Uh, he did very well off of the bench for Charlotte FC, and I think he is beginning to be seen for what he can be in terms of, again, another player that has great vision, is very tricky to deal with, and is also extremely mature in his style of play and finding the passes. I would also say Derek Jones. Um, I think it was a tough yeah. night for him against St. Louis, and obviously he didn't play against New England Revolution, but at the end of 2022... He was in peak form 
everyone sees DJ because he's a large guy as this physical presence, but he's so much more than that. He's got nimble feet. He's got composure. He's an extremely smart player. He filled in at centre-back, actually, for us during uh, pre-season. And I think that's part of the reason why he didn't find himself starting at the beginning of the season. But when he's playing in centre-mid, I think he offers a different composure for this Charlotte FC side. Yeah, he's a player I've always loved in this league and, and felt like was just right there to really break out as a top-tier talent. Absolutely. And I think that it's been tough for him because when you look at our midfield, when you've got Ashley Westwood, Brad Bronico, who's another player that's an unsung hero because he's just a workhorse. I don't think there's many players that will work harder and fight more for you than Brad Bronico. And I think he's another player that needed to move to Charlotte FC in order to really break out and sort of sacrifice, you know, moving into the USL team for a season before and coming back to Charlotte. He has really impressed me, and now he's undroppable. So DJ's had a tough time because when you've got Westwood, when you've got Brant Bronico, and there's other players that want to play in midfield as well, that's a very highly competitive area for Charlotte. When you look at Atlanta as you're getting started with the week of preparation, you know what is it about Atlanta United that you kind of worry about in this matchup? I mean, when you've got a World Cup champion in your roster like Almada who can do what he did, in that first game and put your team on your back and find the finishes. It's always a concern. I also think that you've got goals from coming from other directions right now. I didn't have Rosetto on my uh, bingo card to get a, uh, an equalizer for Atlanta United either. So that's good. I think Atlanta United is always a tough team to play, right? Because they can be unpredictable. They know what they're doing. Guzan's in fairly good form as well. He's impressed me coming back from that injury. Not many players at his age do that. So I think that's admirable. And it, it's just going to be a tough game like every game is. But I think when you have that heated component, Atlanta wants to beat Charlotte. Let's be honest. Mm. Charlotte wants to beat Atlanta. And I mm. think there's that extra firepower coming into it. The difference is one team's coming in unbeaten and one team's coming in 0-2. So there's two very different mindsets and reasons why they want to win this game. So in addition to what you're doing with Charlotte, you are coaching right now, correct? Yeah, it's pretty busy, but coaching in Atlanta with uh, Trinity Christian School, having a lot of fun. And I think you're coming to visit us to call a game in the near future. Yeah, we'll be calling the uh, boys and girls against North Clayton, uh, not this week, but next week. I'm excited for that. I think the kids are very excited as well. So it's been good. It's been a, a really eye-opening experience. I had called, obviously, the high school finals with you a couple of times, and you expect the standard to be good when you're in a state championship. But what's really impressed me is the fact that across the state, the level and standard is very impressive, even in regular season games. Have you picked up a yellow card yet? No, no, I haven't. And what my favorite part about high school rules in GHSA is it wouldn't be me that got a yellow anyway. As a community coach, the yellow card goes to the mm. head coach. So technically, I cannot pick up a yellow card. Okay, th let, me, let me make sure then. Have you gotten your head coach a yellow card this season? Not yet. No, I will okay. tell you something that I've learned, right? <laughs> Refereeing is very difficult. Yes. Two referee system is even more difficult. And oh, yeah. In high school, when you have that two referee system, there's not really too much that you can do about that. I try and give them the benefit of the doubt and I try and be a role model because my hot headed days are hopefully behind me. And now it's more of a positive passion and I have to lead by example, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's the hardest thing about coaching? Not being able to be on the pitch for them. I think that they're, <laughs> oh, that sounds so bad, but like the vision is different. And yeah. growing up as a goalkeeper, having played as a goalkeeper where you can see the whole field, seeing it from the sideline, stepping back is hard. And then 
trying to always emphasize making individual decisions. I think there are a lot of coaches out there that have their whiteboard and have their little, you know, magnets. Mm. And they're like, well, you need to do this, this and this. Well, I'm not on that field to make the decision for them. Or if I want my goalkeeper to play out the back, but they're not comfortable with it, you can't force it. And I think making sure I always show the kids that I'm making this suggestion, but you're empowered to make your own decision on the field. And I'm never going to criticize you for making a decision. I'd rather you made a decision and a choice based on your vision of the game than try to force something that I've told you if you're not comfortable with that. Yeah, you can always come back and talk about the decision and how it was made after the fact, but you've got to let the players have that power. You'll never learn if you are always trying to just, you know, they call them a joystick coach, right? Because they're like an yeah. Xbox controller. If I'm just going to be a joystick coach and press the buttons and have you do, do they really learn? And what happens in a year's time when they're playing under a completely different coach in college or in three years time, you can't get them used to those bad habits. So I think really trying to make sure that I instill in them life skills as well, that they're going to take forward because they're not going to play for me forever. It's high school. That's the nature of it. Now you're working with both the boys and the girls goalkeepers, right? Yes. And then on the sidelines for everybody, but yeah, goalkeeping right. is my passion. I think what's really cool about this year is I've got two young goalkeepers that have never actually played goalkeeping before. Oh, but wow. fearless. They're volleyball players. So they've got okay. great hands. And I think for me, what's nice is having a completely clean slate and being able to like start from the very get go. And that's no disrespect, but I think in England and America, it's the same. It's very rare to have a specialized goalkeeper coach unless you've made it into the big leagues or you're paying big money. So it's nice to work with goalkeepers that don't necessarily have quote unquote bad habits already and that they're willing to just be that open book for me. So the standard of them, they've been brilliant. Honestly, they impress me every week. What's the biggest difference between working with the girls as opposed to the boys? Oof. Or is there a difference? Maybe there isn't one. Yeah, I think I try and coach them the same as possible, honestly, because I, I think that I, I coach my boys and girls, goalkeepers together as well. Okay. And I love watching their energy cool. feed off of each other. And I think that it's funny watching the girls really up their level when they're playing with the boys in terms of physicality, in terms of strength of shots. And it's funny watching the boys step back and have this another level of appreciation, like, oh, wow. And I love having that togetherness of the goalkeeper union. But I think that actually my girls and I, the boys will agree, like they'll listen to this and they'll know I'm right. <laughs> the girls have this focus and drive and determination, whereas my boys are kind of a bit more chatty and a little bit more distracted. So I think I have to be harder on the boys because you got to give them that guidance and that little nudge of come on, like it's a fun and games, but it's not going to be fun and games if we get beaten three, four nil. Right. So I think the girls are a little bit more self-motivated and maybe that comes to maturity. You know, there's that stereotype that the girls mature a little bit quicker than the boys, mm -hmm. but I like to try and treat them the same in terms of my goalkeeping and service because I tell you, a couple of those girl goalkeepers I have, if I was to hit the ball, and they're just like me, honestly, it's just like me. If I was to hit the ball softer at them, they would be calling me out on it. So I make sure I rock <laughs> that ball at whoever's in front of me. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Like, first off, I mean, I think at times when when we get into the differences between boys and girls playing at that level. And and maybe it's different for goalkeepers as opposed to on the field. I don't know. But it's not as different as maybe we make it out to be ahead of time. No, and that's why, you know, we without getting into the topics that make me really mad when there's people talking about changing the rules for women's soccer, oh. changing the goal sizes, all of this, it's garbage. Because, okay, when we get to the elite level, the nature of the beast is that the female athletes 
are in places not going to be as fast. They're not going to be as strong, but they can understand the game better. Yeah. If not, they can have as good a footwork. They can have as good of shots. Like it, it's not as different as we would see it being. And that's why I think it's so important that we're seeing an increase in female referees in men's games, that we're seeing increase in female coaches. You look at the D3 school that had the first female coach win a championship at the national level. And I think it's becoming more normalized to see involvement of women in the men's game and men in the women's game. And I think that's the way it should be. It should be just, it's normal for you to work with whoever you want to work with, whoever's going to do the best job. Yeah, the, the, the jobs are different. The personalities are different. Sometimes your personality might work better you know, with women in the men's game, men in the women's game, whatever, like it, it's, there's a lot of soccer to be had and there's a lot of, of soccer to work in and it doesn't have to be so regimented. No. And I think that's what I like to do on a regular basis, right? It's becoming, people aren't surprised to hear a female voice anymore talking about the men's game and it, it's just a nice normalization and the more normal we make it, the better it becomes. That's what we're all trying to do. Tell everybody where they can find you. It's going to be at Jess Talks Footy on Instagram, Twitter, all of the good stuff. And then for the radio calls this weekend, listen, for Atlanta United fans, if you're watching on Apple TV, you could switch to local radio for Charlotte FC. I think that you might prefer to listen to Jason and sync it up because he's going to be more Atlanta United based. But hey, do a half of each. Do a half of each. You, you can on. do both. You could have separate audio feeding in in different parts of your ears. You know, you could do this. You could set it up that way. A little if compartmentalizing you, in your brain. That would you take know, a long Exactly. Some people can do it really well. You are going to have to, if you are if you want to do listen to us, you're not going to be able to do it through Apple TV. If you do that through Apple TV, you're going to get Will and Jess. If you want to listen to us, you're going to have to sync it up the old school way. Next year, I think you're actually going to have the choice all the way around. At least that's what it's cross. It will be good for all of us. It will be good for all of us. We will see. Jess, thanks for the time. And hey, everybody, I'll go ahead and tease it. Women's World Cup is this summer. And we did a lot of Men's World Cup conversation. The the time slots are going to be really difficult to deal with in Australia and New Zealand. But we are going to have a lot of Women's World Cup coverage on 92.9 The Game. And Jess is going to be a big part of that. So really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Cannot wait. We'll talk soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 